Good day and welcome to the Frontline Chatter Podcast. My name is Jaron Gibson with co-host Andrew Morgan. How are you doing today, Andy? I'm doing great. Summer has arrived. The kids are at home. They're wrecking my head. I'm looking forward to talking about some technology rather than just talking about whatever they're watching on television. How are you, Jay? Same. Uh, I was hoping to be recording from the office for the first time, the new office, but uh, still got to do some things up there. So back down in the house and luckily the wife took the kids off to go do something to get them out of our hair for about an hour so we can get this recorded. Super. Okay. Well, um, on um, this or on this episode, uh, we're very lucky to have the two Jasons of Liquidware um, with us today, Jason Maddox and Jason Smith. Uh, thanks very much for coming along, guys. Thanks for having us. We're we're really glad to be back in touch with you guys to to do this podcast. Super, super. So, I mean, I suppose let's 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 jump both legs in. I mean, we've done a we've done a separate interview with uh, with you guys um, uh, over the over the years. So, I mean, I don't think we need to rehash any of that. So, how's it get? How are you getting on in liquid these days? We're doing really really great. Um, you know, the industry has changed so much since even the last time that that we spoke to you guys. Um, there's been mergers, acquisitions. Um, things have matured in the VDI space. But look where we we remain, you know, the independent workspace environment management uh, solution out in the market. Where if uh, so, we're taking advantage of the fact that if if customers really aren't finding what they uh, like in the embedded solutions for either the profile piece, the the layering piece, or the monitoring piece, uh, that we're still the reliable there. So we're still privately held. And proud of that fact because that allows us to keep developing and adding features uh, that are really truly from the d- demanded from the market from our customer base and prospects. I mean that that is superb news. I mean it's it has been a very turbulent time for the market as a whole. No, I I, I agree with you. I mean things have uh, things have been chopping and changing so fast since we last spoke. I mean you guys have um, have kind of boil down your, your your products as well into into three core components um these days i've noticed you know um do you want to talk about a little bit about that right so you know we we really are firmly uh adamant that we we pioneered the workspace environment management space that that you saw even the platform leaders imitate it was the missing parts uh, for a, a vdi implementation to be successful and more than that really a windows implementation to be successful User environment management, so you're managing the user dynamically, separate and aside from an individual uh, Windows experience or OS version, so it's fully portable user, and, and we've got that in Profile Unity. Secondly, you know, add to that portable applications that can go across even mixed operating system environments, and, and by that I mean Windows 7, even 8.1, and now four different versions of Windows 10. Windows 10, not the not the OS, the end-all OS, as, as, as it was touted. But we can make the user go across that, applications go across that, and certainly when you are um, uh, migrating users across and also onboarding users to VDI and are now cloud-based solutions such as even Amazon Workspaces, you need a way to ensure that user experience. Have you right-sized the environment? Uh, is the user experience as good as it was? You know, a month ago when, when the users were on a different operating system or a different platform or that we've changed things on the back end in server-based computing. And Stratosphere UX really remains uh, the default go-to solution for many integrators, partners, and customers out in the market that, that uh, rely on it to know at a moment's notice what the user experience is and, and where and how to diagnose any issues before they become really mission-critical showstoppers for your Windows deployment. 
We sell that as a suite, as, as you guys know, but we also sell them into and as individual products, Profile Unity, Flex App, and um, and Stratosphere. No, it's um, it's a great message. I mean, from a product's point of view, it is a great message. I mean, the 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 um, user environment management piece, um, as you mentioned, has has kind of uh, has been touched on by vendors. But I think um, I think it's safe to say that both both solutions kind of leave a lot to be desired if you're looking at them from a from a strictly um, user environment management point of view. And I think um, I think Profile Unity does a good job there. You know, the Stratosphere UX we've spoken about before. But what's great about Stratosphere is that you know it is platform agnostic and it's part of your your stack and offering. It is available separately. To which is which is super, you know, but it goes far and beyond what any vendor is really doing and delivering on a, from a monitor or from a monitoring point of view, and then of course Flex App as well, which which is superb. And um, we're going to touch on more, more on Flex App um, a little later. But I suppose what I really love about Flex App is how simple you've made it and some of the features we're going to talk about later. <laughs> so uh, good for you guys, I suppose. And then you hit on a really key point, which has become very poignant uh, over the last um, over the last couple of months, and that's the independent piece. <laughs> Right, um, right. Do you want the fox watching the hen house, right? So you've got these solutions that are built into your 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 platform now, and arguably, and, and we've got black and white ways that we go beyond the embedded solutions out there from from Citrix and from VMware. We're still strong partners with them, but if if customers, um, our prospects are 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 wanting more, then they can come to us. But you know, to my point about the fox watching the hen house, what if you want to switch from VMware to Citrix? Our Amazon workspaces. Do you want your UEM and application packaging and your monitoring tied up in your solution stack that you started with? Or do you want that independent, more modular, and you can switch the back end and make desktops, keep desktops a commodity at a moment's notice? Not only the OS is a commodity, but the way that you deliver them is a commodity. So you can change very dynamically and have that portable user, portable applications and lastly, know what that user experience is definitively before and after. So we find ourselves in a great spot in a heterogeneous market uh, that's just increasingly heterogeneous, not, not only with OS, but the way the desktops are delivered. Yeah, I think that that's a really good point because, um, you know, if you're going with VMware solution or Citrix solution or even AWS or whatever you're looking at and you want to go to something else, you're kind of locked in to their product um, and have to start all over from scratch. The nice thing with you guys still being out there independent is that I can go from product A to product B. Also, too, we've seen some of the built-in products not handle cross-platform very well, and you guys have that also. So you guys are in a good position by being independent um, to be able to handle that. It becomes a a matter of... um just switching out the back end, really, of what you want to do. And there's no and there's no interruption for the end user except for a different icon on the desktop to get to the Citrix receiver or Horizon or, or Amazon workspaces. And and once that they log on, they're like, well, how's this desktop any different? You know, my, my spell checkers are in there. My Even my desktop wallpaper is in there, you know, if you've got the settings portable for that. Um, and the applications are in there. So it, it makes for a smooth transition. So you've got very little loss of productivity, which I don't think this industry does enough to put their finger on. On. How long does it take that user to become productive again once you give them a new desktop? You and I, everybody does it at home, right? You, you, sooner or later, you have to switch out that machine at home. And it is sometimes, literally, it can be weeks before, oh, gosh, I forgot that setting. I, I switched a laptop um, six months ago, and there was a wave file on the other machine that I needed to get. And I wasn't running Profile Unity on the other machine. I am on the new one. But if I had Profile Unity there, I would have had all my, even my user author data had, would have been pulled across. 
I think yeah, that's a really good point around the around the, the kind of data portability piece. I can tell you firsthand the amount of source code I have lost every time I reinstall an operating system and I forget to save my my the, my Visual Studio directory. It only came up last week. Somebody came knocking on my door for an application I wrote two years ago and was like, "Sorry, buddy, I have no idea where that went." Um, right. So yeah, and uh, you know that that's just something simple for me. I mean, I'm not a I'm not a, a revenue generating user, right? So um, yeah, the ability to move that across cross platform, cross vendor. Because I mean, let's be honest. I mean. The delivery layer from 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 you know um, from Amazon Workspaces or Citrix or VMware or anybody. I mean, they're all kind of doing the same thing, right? All the magic is happening above that, and right. that, that's the space that you guys are in, and that's the that's the sweet spot. Yep, it's a good place to be in. Thanks. So you know, kind of speaking of some things, some changes, and you know, going for different products and so forth. Um, since the last time we, we talked with you guys, um, there's been some changes in the UEM space. So. You, you saw, you know, Landesk Heat, you know, come together with AppSense and form Avante, and then now recently you're seeing that um, Avante now just acquired Res, Res, um, Res Workspace products, um, Res Software, and so now they have AppSense and Res gone from the market. So um, how does this change the market for you guys, and, and what, what are your thoughts around that? It's really you know, we've talked about this internally as it was happening, and we we caught wind of it, you know, months ago. And the AppSense thing happened last year, and then the Res thing recently. Um, we didn't run into Res that much in North America, never did. And and as you guys might know, I I actually was responsible for the first Res office in the states from 2004 to 2006. So it's a company I knew well. Um, but when we, Liquidware, we've not run into them that much in Benelux regions in Europe. You know that 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 area where they're based there around around the Netherlands, they, they great and dominating that market over there. Not we hadn't seen them so much here. Absence we run into, so that's some just general points about that. But we really saw it as we've got a bigger presence in Europe now than we ever have as best case scenario for liquidware. And I don't I don't say that lightly or or, or to just uh, blow off the question, but it really is. Uh, could you imagine you have two main UEM competitors in the market that are still independent other than yourself? And they're rolled into a brand new company, and on top of that, we we know that they made big staff changes where um, the teams didn't completely come across. So we immediately start hearing from the channel, um, and we immediately start hearing from the customer base. Is it possible to switch to Profile Unity? Um, and so we we put in a program really um, several months ago uh, called the AppSense Upgrade Program, and I'm serious about that. AppSense Upgrade. A lot of people don't, you know, it's the, the way that it's described in the industry is people say AppSense is a Ferrari, and 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 Liquidware is a uh, with Profile Unity is exactly what you need with a souped-up Chevrolet. But it's not not always the case. We we've got features in there that AppSense never had, embedded layering. Um, built-in application rights management where you'd have to buy a suite product of theirs, uh, profile disk, and then I could go on and on. There's features in our set that they didn't have and vice versa. So just a different product. But the overlapping um, things that most customers need, a portable profile, um, application rights management, regardless if you have to buy the suite or not, um, policy management, uh, context-aware filters, all that is is in our roundhouse, right? So we can we are a, a tit-for-tat replacement for that and our RES workspace, RES workspace. Um, so we put in what we call the AppSense Upgrade Program. Um, if your renewal is coming up, give us a call because we will switch out your licenses to Profile Unity licenses for the same cost as your renewal cost. 
So you got wow. you don't even you don't even miss a, a heartbeat there. I just got off the phone um, a half hour ago, and and we've closed. Uh, we're about to close a large utility based in the Carolinas region that's been a long uh, stronghold uh, in the Absence area, switching to us for Profile Unity. So the program's out there. It's being received well not only by customers but by partners too. So we, we'll take that business all day long because we firmly believe that an Absence customer. Um, coming to us is is going to be a very low maintenance customer. They're going to know exactly and, and and pick up right where they left off with us with major f- functions and feature sets and have lower maintenance costs because we don't have any hardware required and we don't have any dedicated servers like SQL servers or IS servers required. All those are still great and you can reduce your costs dramatically. So best case scenario for us, I truly feel like that uh, that's what's happened here. That And, and I don't totally count them independent anymore because uh, people have said Avanti's like the new Symantec. They have a little bit of everything. So we are, we're poised to take advantage of the market while it's hot for us in that area too. So real quick, let me just go back to this again, you know, kind of rewind for a second. Um, and for our listener sanity, you said that you have with this trade up rescue type program that you will get them into liquidware um, just, you know, for the same cross cost as the renewal, correct? Just to say that again real quick. That's right. So if your renewal's coming up for and if if it's not coming up, give us a call anyway for Absence User Environment Manager or RES Res Workspace. We'd be glad to switch out your licenses for that cost of maintenance, which is only about usually it's about calculated industry standard twenty percent of what you paid. Um, so we'd be taking you'd be getting quite a discount with us with our list price of, of Profile Unity, which is thirty nine dollars. Uh, you're you're usually getting quite still getting quite a discount, um, and you're not missing a beat. You were expecting to pay that maintenance anyway. Um, so we've onboarded. Uh, several customers already this way in the last year from the absence fallout. And we actually have absence system engineers on staff. Now we've hired people that, um, that were, were, were no, not, not brought across to Avanti and the same thing with RES um, and not just in the States in Europe too. So we've got people working for us that once worked for those organizations that have seamlessly made those, um, those, those transformations take place where the users know, knew no difference. Their profiles came across, and we made sure that the policy management was set up, the application rights management, everything, so they didn't skip a beat. Wow. I have to say that's that's really impressive, and it's um, it's refreshing to hear how quickly and I suppose financially affordably it could it could, it could be for a customer to switch out from from one to the other. Um, you hit on a, a point earlier in regards to RES or, or whatever they call themselves, Res or RES. Every time I used to call them Res, they gave out to me. I called them RES, and then they renamed themselves. Anyway. Um, so the, I saw them a lot in Europe, and what was interesting about the the, the Res customers was they they kind of ruled out Absence because it was deemed too complicated, or um, you know, Res was the simpler product, I suppose, and it was the product that I I, I would have chosen back you know back when I back when I was consulting years ago. Um, so I'm I'm quite familiar with it. Uh, I honestly don't think it's. Um, I, I honestly, I, I'm not sure. I, I, it's a sad for me to see what happened to Res, um, given that you know um, Avanti already has a has, has a user management product. Um, but when if I was a, a, a Res customer now, looking at what options I have in front of me, knowing that Workspace Manager is going away and they had excluded Absence, um, I mean it, it's it's just plain plain as day to see that you know. Um, 
uh, profile unity is entirely or is, is infinitely simpler than than absence. So um, it is a great spot for you guys to be in. I suppose is the point that I'm making. I mean, for those customers who want just simplicity and and feature rich, um, you're, you're delivering in droves there. Yeah, thanks. We find ourselves at the right place at the right time in the industry, and um, we're we're very excited about what's to come in the next year. Not only for that, but for the product releases we'll talk about today. Cool, cool. So, I mean, another another key one, uh, I suppose, big news, but you know, little news at the same time. You changed your name and dropped Labs. What was that all about? The maturity of the market. <laughs> People joke and say Liquidware's finally out of their lab phase. Well, wasn't wasn't so much that as it was that if you look at the industry and we we focused we do work with any windows deployment any windows desktop deployment but vdi is no longer a labs project right um so it was partly that and it was partly that we've we've matured as a company and so we wanted to take new steps with a a new logo a new look and fresh feel and uh, a plethora of features that that are rolling out not only in uh, profile unity flex app we'll talk about today but we've got new things coming with stratosphere too and uh, it's just a, a sign of how the industry has changed as well. So really, um, it's all that and in addition to the fact that Liquidware domain became available. <laughs> made it quite an easy thing to do because people got tired of misspelling so many letters to get to our domain. So uh, it, it all struck the right place at the right time again, which is a theme today, right? I keep saying, but it is truly. And, and so we're, we're happy about that too. No, it's super. I, I really like the new branding. Um, I the, the the website looks sharp, really, really sharp. I've actually just pulled it up in front of me to remind myself. And yeah, I, lo- I love the new logo. Um, and the the main comment is so funny because I I had I had a similar experience. I won't get into it today, but right. um, <laughs> somebody was sitting on the domain for years, and then they finally decided to let go of it. And uh, yeah. Sure enough, there it was. Right. But uh, yeah, no, no, it's great news though, and I suppose it's it's same great innovation. Um, Sans Labs in the name, so it's uh, yeah, it's good. You can still reach us at either if if if, if, if the viewers or listeners forget. So we, you can still the redirects there. Cool, cool. Uh, okay, so let's let's talk some tech. What's new in Profile Unity, Mr. Maddox? Because I know you're sitting there silently so far. <laughs> no, Mr. Smith's done a good job of uh, covering where the market's going, where we're at in the market today. So it's good. I've been um, heads down for the past year working on this new release and. Um, you know, a couple of things that we've done in this release on the heels of, um, you know, competition, you know, having res and absence in the market. They've got a few of the, you know, server side features that we've been needing to add. And we've wanted to add it for a while based on customer demand. Um, so one of those is role-based access. Um, role-based access basically means that if you've ever seen the profile unity interface, it's like a control panel looking interface where there's a lot of icons on the screen where you can handle you know, how the profile roams, how folder redirection behaves, shortcuts, drives, printers, registry keys, all those different things. But the request has been, well, how can I give like a level one help desk person, you know, ability to only touch shortcuts, drives, and printers, things that can't cripple 10,000 users if done wrong in the, in the environment. So we have the ability to basically, you can select uh, one module, just shortcuts, uh, two modules, shortcuts and drives and printers maybe, as a role for help desk level one, when those admins log into the profile unity interface, they can either see the configurations or they can be hidden from them. And then they can have a sub configuration that's designed more for their skill set uh, to help service users that need drive mappings and printers and shortcuts and reg keys and things like that. So it's, it's a pretty neat technology. The fact that you can also hide different uh, configurations 
uh, plays into the multi-tenancy as well. So you could have an MSP give multi-tenancy access to his customers if you'd like, uh, if it's set up a certain way. And then you could hide um, modules or configurations from each other's uh, kind of internal or external customers. So that, that was one that uh, we're pretty excited about. I know that um, I think an AppSense or a RAS might have something like that as well. So we're trying to, you know, uh, catch up, and we have been for years, and we've surpassed them in other areas. So it's kind of like that that everybody, every product, every good product manager has a, a competition list, right? It's a hit mm-hmm. list of features features to go through. So we, we've just about checked them all off now when it comes to our um, UEM competition. And that's that, that's superb news. I mean, the role-based access thing, is, it sounds like something something minor, but I mean, from a from a development point of view, it's it's, it's fairly major. And um, the, the demand is always going to be there, right? I mean, one of the, the, the key pieces with, with Profile Unity was you guys were always finger on the pulse with all the new features and as they were coming up. I mean, you guys were all over Office 365 like a rash in, in a great way in the sense that you had an answer for that very, very quickly. But I suppose role-based access is just one of those things that kind of maintained on the list. But, you know, you've, 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 um, you've, uh, you've, you've kept going and you've gotten to it. So that's yeah, and then uh, just to, to round that out real quick, one is auditing. Auditing is always an interesting one is, you know, how do you have a record for your internal change control processes or for compliance reasons? What Who changed what value to, to what at what time? So did Bob change a printer mapping to a different wrong printer? When do you do it? What time did you do it? And what was the old value? What is the new value? So you can quickly roll back. Um, you could also export these. So if you've got your own change control system, you can export the entire change control list before during a change control window and upload the, the CSV right to your system. So you got a full record of what happened and who did it and when. So that, that that's uh, a very nice and and very handy. Just jump in real quick as we're listening to that. So um, I can see that as a big welcome change or addition to the product. Yeah, exactly, and it, and it goes with the multiple admin, right? Once you've got multiple admins in the council and it persuades you to go that direction, we need some way to hold people accountable in the system because administrators make mistakes. We're all human, right? Well, that's exactly it. And having been in that situation before, it's it, it's it's a key feature, right? I mean, to, to drive back down to who may have accidentally done that or what they accidentally did at the time, not necessarily a point to blame or whatever else, but just a key troubleshooting piece of information if something wasn't broken and now it is. So let's check check the auditing, I suppose, is the, is the key message. Yep, and then and then the other one that um, is is an additional piece of technology, and this is um, I also call a lot of what we do building blocks. A lot of the technology we have is in the system today. It's kind of dormant, ready to be activated that nobody really knows, and we take it and we use it in different ways. And an example of this is we have profile disk for standard single OS, single user OS. You know whether that be Windows Seven, Windows Ten, twenty sixteen as a single user OS desktop. But the challenge comes in is the, re- the request came through the door was, well, you have this profile disk or this profile container for VDI or standard Windows machines with a single user. What about ZenApp? What about RDSH? It's like, okay, well, the filter driver that we actually use in FlexApp, what does it do? It's designed to create virtual files, virtual registry, and it can redirect I.O. based, based on our command or our will. So now we have the ability for you to have you know, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 users on a single RDSH host, uh, ZenApp server, and everybody will get their own profile disk. And each user's profile is individually forked to their individual profile disks or profile containers. Now, this is kind of the easy button, right? This is the big easy button. The entire profile is captured. My Office 365 cache, my OST is captured, my OneDrive is captured. Everything out of the box is just beautifully captured for me. 
Um, but profile disk isn't the end all be all because profile disk has the same limitations of say a roaming profile or a local profile would, you know, windows changes the versions of the profile. So the portability engine we have, we are pairing them together on a regular basis to make sure that we can still abstract the profile and still store it in kind of two ways. One being in the container form, the easy button, but it's locked into that OS. And the other version being in the portability form, which is the highly compressed, highly optimized, grabs the majority of what you need uh, to do your job, but it's also completely portable and coexistence compatible for all versions of Windows. And this is important because now what you're doing is you're taking the profile disk and it's more of a cache. I can delete that whenever I need to because portability will bring everything back down. Now, the combination of the two, it still performs really well because we have all these MD5 checks that we do to figure out what's changed and what's different. And a static profile inside of a profile disk or profile container um, is, doesn't very, doesn't, whole thing doesn't change very often, and we know what's changed and what's not. So it still performs really well. Um, so we, we've got a lot of requests for that. So now our Office 365 story and message for regular VDI extends to ZenApp, leveraging a profile container. And uh, we're pretty excited about that. And along with this, it also is the ability to do indexing uh, on a machine-level disk, VHD, so that the machine level, the index is stored for Office 365 or for your email. So as the users log in and log on different servers in the farm, the index will then catch up as they log in and log out, and they'll be able to um, search their mail and have a good user experience. You don't have to, you're not forced to disable the Windows Search Index for Outlook. So for this uh, this uh, profile file disk, are you kind of saying more use it in combination to where the, the profile disk is kind of your large file cache, your Office 365 solution, but still use the, the portable one for everything else? That, that's exactly right, because a lot of the vendors out there, they, they kind of see the flashy, oh, let's just go put a, a profile disk in. Well, you're still going to be stuck to the version of the profile that's in that disk, unless you have a way to abstract it out like we do, because we can abstract it out. And we, as Liquidware, we know the Windows profile so well, we already code the product to self-resolve the incompatibilities between the versions of the profiles. And we've already done that work to figure all that out for you. Microsoft just says it's not compatible at all. You're going to go to v. You're going to go v. Five, and they just cut you off. So having a profile container is great for a fast cache, right? But you still want that portable coexistence version. Clever, very, very clever. And just to make sure I fully understood, I know you guys were doing, were doing you were doing Office uh, Cache and and Search indexing for for VDI. But are, are you saying you've now got that for ZenApp too? That's right. That's exactly right. Wow. Okay, that's superb. Because I mean, the 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 threshold for the, for for playing in the Office three six five space was always, can you do it on ZenApp? Because it was it was fairly. I mean, from a development point of view, it was fairly easy to do on VDI, but not so easy to do on ZenApp. So that that is fantastic news. I mean, um, and to, to hit the point you made, you, you hit you made earlier, um. One of the things when you go down a UEM solution of when you're trying to capture everything that's pertinent in a user's profile is just how much you actually have to capture and configure. But by having this bucket underneath, uh, which is a profile disk, you can you can start with the specific items that you want and then build on that over time. So your your kind of your time to POC uh, is dramatically reduced, right? Because you're no longer spending so much time extracting all that information at a UEM because you need to. It's now a situation where you can extract it when you want to. That's that right? right, and we and it's right, and we have default rules in as well that cover ninety percent of what you need, and cover just about ninety nine percent of what third party apps would write down into the profile. Um, so th- there's just certain things that are just very large, you know, like Windows ten. 
Windows Store apps, um, yeah. you know, Cortana, <laughs> all that <laughs> sort of stuff uh, with, with it within the OS. Um, it, you know, the, the, the important things are covered, right? You know, the OST file, if you had to delete the profile cache, guess what? That's going to rebuild over the network over time. You know, that's not the end of the world if you had to rebuild that. So it's, it's a really good uh, marriage of the two. As Jason Smith blog says, he did, I think last year was kind of like the Wonder Twins. Um, they go they go well together. So it's it's a neat technology. We're excited for this. We got we got customers uh, literally waiting for the GA code to drop on August first so they can install it. I know I will be. That sounds really really good. Um, congratulations, guys. Um, so that's profile unity. Uh, you know the 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 the, the ever standing ever. Um, ever innovating uh uem solution you have but um i did a blog or i did a, 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 a bit a bit of background to flex app because i'm so fond of flex app uh, i i did a kind of review of app layering last year and um unsur- well surprisingly at the time but unsurprisingly i don't think about a flex app came out head and shoulders above everybody else just because the, the, the sheer flexibility of flex app i suppose so um what's new with flex app um be- before you answer real quick let me jump in um oh yeah I, I saw this um, at Synergy when, when I talked to Jason uh, in, in their booth, and I thought this was really slick and, and really straightforward. So um, go ahead and take it away, but I was really impressed with this when I, when I saw this to your guys' booth. Sure. This is, um, this is another kind of innovation and in kind of first to market. And before I talk about the feature, let's talk about the problem we're solving. Okay? There, there's a philosophy about how you manage layers out there. You know, do you want to have, you know, one giant disk with, you know, 15 layers in it? Or do you want to have individual layers, individual disks? And we, we like to promote single layer, single disk. It just makes it easier for the administrator to be able to clone that application layer while it's in use, update it, patch it, deprovision the old version, provision the new one, and not potentially create a house of cards with too many layers, you know, that are then become spaghetti and they're wound together in one big disk. And... When we go down this, this direction and path, we have to look at, well, there's a slight negative impact in a certain use case. When the customer says, well, my single user needs above 10 applications, they want 10 applications to be brought into the system. We go, okay, fine. We do applications today in parallel to the login process. In parallel, we do not hold off the login and we do not slow it down. We have solved the problem of UEM settings and application layer settings coming in together. We've fixed that issue, so we don't have to worry about order of operation. We've solved it. I'll tell you how, but we've solved it. Um, so that, that when that happens, and we do this as fast as we can, Windows can only go so quick. When you get to 10, 15, 20 applications, it may take 45 to 60 seconds for a disk to mount, for hundreds of thousands of registry keys to be activated in memory, and you know thousands of files and folders virtually to be created in the OS. You know, we have low-level kernel drivers to solve this, but Windows can only go so quick. So we look at how can we how can we expand the strategy of delivery of these FlexApp layers? So we can do layers at boot, not in the image, but at service start on boot. We can do them there. So if you had an ERM, ERP, major application that everybody in the whole company just got, you could do that at boot. So when the user comes in, the ready the application is ready, ready to go for everyone. Then you could do the ones that they're going to open right away. As soon as they hit their desktop, they're going to double-click certain ones, and they're going to do their mail. They're going to do their Outlook. They're going to do the browser. They're going to do the basic food groups of apps they want to work on every single day within the first 10 minutes of getting at their their desk. Here comes the other applications they don't use very often. They use them on a quarterly, monthly basis, but they need to be there. 
let's make those what we call click to layer. So click to layer allows us to take the application and when we layer it, we abstract a little bit of metadata from it. We steal the icon. We grab information about the shortcuts. And now within the product, you can enable click to layer and exactly what it sounds is what it means. The user gets an icon on the desktop you know, in milliseconds because it's just a shortcut with special parameters. That icon looks like the real application. And when they double click it, there's a slight delay. The disk is then requested to be mounted. The application is then activated in memory. The drivers, the services, the registry keys, everything's pulled in for that application. And then the application opens and the shortcut, which was our fake shortcut, it was our executable that was there, not the real one. We actually then delete our own shortcut and replace it with the real one. So if they ever close and open the app during that session, the app will just open. Wow, I really like that last part. I mean, the the the, the first two plays are, are are things that the the industry is is or uh, and uh, you know vendors are currently fighting over which is the best approach. But nobody is doing that. Um, so just to make sure we understand, uh, you you extract the metadata for the application. The application appears as if it's installed, and then when the application is in, is invoked, you then snap it in. Should it be required? Exactly right. So there's no disks attached, there's no registry keys, there's nothing is there for that layer until the user demands it, until it's on demand or when that user double clicks or clicks that application, then all the activity starts. So that's going to save on network and IO and just overall is going to save because now you're not, you don't have a disk mounted for no reason that the user never uses that app for. Hmm. Okay. You know, I really like that play. And what it reminds me a lot of is um, all the benefits of Microsoft AppFee. Um, in an application layering scenario, in the sense that the application is, is can be loaded when it's requested, so it, instead of being streamed, it's been snapped in. But it's the same the same clever approach. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Nobody else is doing this, right? No, no, nobody else is doing this. I think like App Volumes has like a um, um, they do like a calc switch in switch out of apps that are in a big layer, and they can change the permissions on the fly or something. But nobody's doing anything like this where they're kind of it's on demand. You know, and then it's still a single application per layer. You know, approach for management and delivery. No, that's that's superb. No, I, I know that I know the message. I know that the other method you're talking about, and it, it doesn't work in in a in nearly as clever a way as, as as what you're describing here. So, you know, that that that's a really cool feature, and I can see that being so beneficial. I mean, rather than having all of these layers snapped in every day and only being used one day out of the month, um, they they are literally uh, you know click to layer. Yeah, it's it's not far. If I could just add, it's not far from having like an app store, right? So mm-hmm. if there's no hit to the op- operating system or the session or the network, and you you're licensing, you you have the licenses that you're able to roll these applications out that you have packaged. Why not give users access to them if they need them, they use them, right? And then there's no hit. So uh, they're, they're grabbing the app that they need in real time on demand. So it's it's pretty neat. As you said, AppV taken a similar approach before, and you could you could take that uh, attitude with it a bit, but no one's done this in layering, so we're excited about it. Cool, and, just, cool. and, just, and just to be clear, these are portable apps, right? So I can capture one place and deliver it to another, correct? Just to be clear for our listeners. Yeah, and I think that's that's an important distinction. Um, with our technology, you know, we're looking at what the application is doing to the OS not what's happening on the entire OS as a whole. You know, if you look at some of the technology out there, they're kind of doing these 
differential merging of image-based layers where ours are 100% application-based layers where, you know, 95-plus percent of the time, I can take a layer that I did on Windows 7 to Windows 10, Windows 10 to Windows 7. I can bring it to Citrix, to VMware, to ZenApp, to Workspaces, to AppStream. They go anywhere. These VHDs, you create a nice topology with DFSR, you know, a topology mess, uh, mesh, and then replicate once, you know, a package once, deliver many, and replicate it all over the regions over the world. We've got a, customer, a couple of customers that are going to start doing that shortly um, in probably about six or seven different regions. Wow, you know, I, I love that approach, and it's 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 giving administrators technology that they're very familiar with, like um, like Microsoft DFS and all the rest, and leveraging those to 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 make them portable, moving them around. You know, DFSR is is a very very uh, mature, reliable product, and you know, going data center to data center and geo to geo. So, and it also handles the the naming conventions right too. So, uh, it's a it's a that's it's right. a great one to snap into the back of. Yeah, that's right. So the, the other one that I'll mention um, for ZenApp specifically, and there's a lot of in work, a lot of work that we've done in this release for ZenApp and RDSH um, in general, along with regular VDI, is um, session isolation for layers. So th- this is uh, it's interesting. It'll be interesting to get the feedback over the market over the next few months as we roll this out. But if you think about it, in a ZenApp environment, the ideal scenario would be: can I roll out as many applications as I'd like? You know, to my ZenApp users, but one user can't see another's user set of applications on the same ZenApp server. So we actually have the ability to do session isolation where I could have Adobe Reader Pro and my counterpart next to me could have Adobe Reader, just Reader, not Writer, just Reader. That's a free license. We both can have those same applications on the same ZenApp server at the same time. And our PDFs will open with the correct application. I can't see each other's applications. I can't dig dig in the file system and find it. It's masked away from me at a filter driver level. So th- this is really neat to where we're really expanding the use case for ZenApp and reducing the number of images because now all these applications don't have to be in the image or separate on the image based on licensing and costs or security. We handle all that for you. That that is very cool. I, I I really like that. And that that was one of the, that was another of the the key challenges with layering and kind of VHD style approaches with ZenApp was how do you isolate? And it sounds like you've nailed that one on the head. Um, so that that's superb. So um, it it, it it's it, it's a another killer killer feature that app layering wasn't it wasn't able to deliver where app isolation could. And now you've you've once again bridged the. The, the line between the two solutions by providing for this. Um, I'm very excited to see that one in particular because that, that's been one of my big um, challenges that I've faced in the field with ZenApp and, and app layering um, is how, how do you you know hide stuff from each other. And I know Profile Unity can do some blacklisting and whitelisting, but this, that right there is a really killer feature. Yeah, to be well, able and, to... And, oh, go ahead, sorry. No, go ahead, Jerry. I was just saying, yes, to be able to do that on a session level so you're not having... Um, image sprawl across your RDS stages and app host is a really handy feature. And it's um, one that um, is asked for a lot. That's, that's good to hear. It's, it's good to hear that confirmation. And I'll give you one more problem I wanted to solve with this technology in this release as well. So we talked about click to layer. We can use that for ZenApp. We can use that for VDI. We talked about session isolation on ZenApp. So if you think about one more spin on click to layer, 
click to layer is our executable. It has a command line that goes to an XML file. That XML file is the metadata about that layer. I talked about earlier how we steal the icon. We have our own executable. We swap out the shortcut you know, for the real one when we're done. That works great when you're doing full desktops on ZenApp. That works great when you're doing VDI full desktops. What about published apps? How do we solve the problem of published apps and layering in an effective way? So today, I can do boot-based layering for ZenApp, which is great because I can boot up the machine, application layers are brought in, and then I can go to Studio, and I can browse the executable, and I can publish it. Well, the downfall is if I want to update an app or I want to modify something, i got to take the server down because i got to restart the service or reboot for a new application. Can I marry click-to-layer for published apps? Well, now I take a clean ZenApp server with nothing installed. I go in Studio, and I go to browse for my application. Well, there isn't one. It's a chicken and egg problem. So now we take our fake executable that we have with the stolen icon, and we say, this is our executable. This is our path to the XML file. And here's the fake icon. So now you publish our executable, which then activates the layer, which then opens the app for the user. And the cool part is you get the, you get the caching benefit of ZenApp. The first user to activate that application layer, then he waited the three to four seconds for the layer to mount, activate, and open the app. The next user in on that server, the app's just going to open automatically. So we've kind of solved that chicken and egg problem. So now we can provide even because I know the market is very split on this. There's a lot of published apps out there and there's a lot of published desktops out there. So we can service both. Another killer, killer feature. And um, I think myself and Jerry are actually a little blown away on, on how far or on, on how well you've done with this. Um, it's, uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to testing this. And I, 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 don't, I don't mean to speak for Jerry. <laughs> um, no, I second that too. I'm looking forward to testing some of the newer features as well when, when this comes out. Um, also too, with that first time caching, you, you can automate that and have like a, like a test user or some kind of, you know, at login kind of cache that down to get rid of that first time penalty, correct? Yeah, so you can either use Citrix's, uh, I think it's pre-logon or pre-cache, they call it, um, or you could use Profile Unity as a service, and you can use our app launcher function to just launch that executable I was talking about with the parameters. So then that'll cache it um, when that service starts on boot. Um, and the interesting part about all of this is around the session isolation, it's got like a first-in, last-out technology as well, so that you know as users come in, and there's overlapping applications that users need that are already activated in the OS based on the permissions that Profile Unity sorts out. They're just added to the session list, and the application is just automatically made available. However, when users go to log out, if there's still users using the application, the application is not reversed out of the OS until the last user logs out of the system. So there's a lot, a lot of work we went into to really make this work well on ZenApp. Oh no, I get that. I get that. Um, but yeah, superb, great work. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing it, and uh, I'm sure our, our listeners will be just as uh, as keen and eager or or um, curious as to as to how you've managed to do it. It's great. It's great. So um, on a, on a slightly different topic. Um, you know, uh, there there is a split in the industry as to you know which is the better approach. Whether we you know we do application layers or you know kind of operating system style layers. Um, you guys obviously have your own approach, but I mean, like, what what's your thoughts on 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 why you took that approach and why it's better? 
Well, I think for us, we have always looked at each major vendor is delivering the OS in their own way. Um, if you look at, you know, Citrix is delivering with, you know, standalone OSs, then they went to PVS, then they have MCS, and they're delivering it their way. Um, VMware is providing OS delivery. They're also providing it with, um, you know, instant clones, which is a fantastic technology that um, we support today, and it works really well with even the instant clone stuff with us. So we're pretty excited about that. Now you take Amazon. Amazon's delivering workspaces. They give you a workspace desktop that they manage the broker infrastructure for, but the customer gets to have the ownership over the OS and as it joins their domains and their file shares and everything in their portion of the Amazon cloud. And then Azure is kind of the same way. So we look at it as all these different brokers are going to deliver an image. And let's keep that image as skinny as possible and do this at the application level. And I think it's done well for us because, you know, something like Notepad++ takes us three minutes to package and is only 60 meg on disk, where other products might take a lot longer and need caching devices to be put in the middle. Um, and then their footprint on disk might be over a gig for something as simple as Notepad++. Because we've, we've really done a really good job of perfecting this technology because this on-demand type layering requires more work. This, we're probably going on five, almost six years of doing this. Just because you tell tell Windows, here's a registry key and here's a file and directory, doesn't mean the application is going to fully work. There's a lot of other things you have to do to tickle the OS, to wake it up, to tell it things are different now here. You must do something different. If you did everything at the OS level in the registry and at boot, it's it, in the OS level, image level and then boot, there, there's a learning curve as you come into this kind of on-demand delivery. And, and we're seeing that in the industry. And that's why we're continuing to blaze ahead. Um, one other preview I'll give you is, you know, if anybody's ever used like install shield studio to modify their installers or MSIs, um, we're working on a similar, uh, kind of editor studio for flex app layers because, you know, um, I was a packaging monkey years and years ago with IMS on Citrix and I had to do a lot of manual steps to modify these things. We got to be naive to think that if you, just cause you capture an app in a layer, that you don't need to, you don't want to just update a reg key, change a file, see the shortcuts that are in that in that layer, change out the shortcuts, delete the shortcuts, add shortcuts, you know, see what's starting up, you know, all those different things are working on a nice clean editor to allow you to do those things very quickly because we have customers um, that are in are in work currently right now to roll out, you know, a thousand flex apps in their environment right now. So we want to make sure we have these tools ready, um, and we feel like the market's starting to progress pretty nicely for us. I no, really, it's a, it's a perp. Sorry, uh, you go on, Jay. I was saying I really like how you guys are including these tools and making it for for easy ad- adoption. Um, the the cache tool that you're including on the um, on on the Zenap side, so you can get rid of that first uh, or any size, so you can get rid of that first penalty. Um, this editor tool, I'm really liking how you guys are including these tools to help with, with adoption and to help for ease of use um, with your guys' tool set. Yeah, absolutely. Super, super. Um, no, it's it, it's very exciting. Um, I'm I'm breathtaking by the, the the innovation that you've 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 put forward here, and uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing it. So, um, well done, Jason and Jason. Um, we're running slightly over, so I just wanted to ask um, something that popped up on LinkedIn a couple of days or a couple of well, maybe a couple of weeks ago now. Um, what is the inside track, if you mind me asking, Mister um, Mister Smith? Wow, good question. So the inside track, um, we're really looking at ahead to, to VMworld uh, a couple months back, and we're like, 
VMworld is a wonderful show. Very well attended, uh, both in uh, the, the one they do in the States and the one they do have done in Barcelona the last several years. Um, the difficulty about VMworld for an EUC, end-user computing vendor, is how do I stand out, right? Um, because so many of the booths there are about storage and about the data center and not necessarily about EUC with an EUC focus. So, you know, even when people come up to our booth at VMworld, because there's no EUC pavilion or a pavilion specifically around Horizon related vendors, the ones that support that, a lot of times we start, we have, we have conversations with people that really might not be a prospect for liquidware. And we're not the only ones with this challenge, right? Um, I'd, I'd, I'd kicked around the idea with iGel and with NVIDIA, a couple other vendors, and said, you know, you know, we agreed VMworld's a great show, but how do we stand out? And uh, so it, it came about uh, in that regard. How do we get together some of the influencers for EUC um, that – where we could actually have them in one room to tell them what some key vendors in the EUC space is doing and provide camaraderie around these guys. Um, so these types of groups exist separately for VMware, for Citrix, and there's some emerging for even Amazon workspaces where there's a, a core set of individuals, whether they're Citrix CTPs, as you guys are, um, or, and, and even uh, VMware EUC champions. Um, but no one's really pulled together with an EUC focus, all, all of them in one room. So we, th- we got to thinking about that. We said, okay, you know, IGEL, NVIDIA, UN, you know, if we had some co-sponsors to start holding such events in a group. So we came up with the inside track uh, for VIPs of EUC, those influencers, bloggers, media, practice, lead, uh, practice management leaders at some of the larger um, integrators like the M7 groups and, and even those in the others that aren't M7 in the Fed, the ones that are really moving the, 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 the most product in this industry to help the proliferation of VDI and, and anything end-user computing. And, and so we sent out an invitation to uh, a list of, of people that were on those types of groups for us. You, you both of you guys were included in that. So two two parts to it. Um, we invited them to join a LinkedIn group called the Inside Track, um, and then we want to ha- start having um, events at key shows. So the inaugural event is uh, is going to be at VMworld, and uh, we plan to have twenty to forty um, influencers in in a room, uh, a place adjacent to where the conference is being held, so we're not breaking any rules. Um, and just to, to be ha- have some camaraderie around that group and also to be able to share at a CTO, very technical level without the marketing. Um, so I have to stay quiet in that room. Jason Maddox is allowed to speak. And to tell this, <laughs> to tell this group what's going on, uh, you know, with, with in, in a, fifth, a short like 15 or 20-minute span per each vendor. And also um, we're kicking around some other ideas, maybe to nominate some, some annual leaders from this group to help us head up that event. Um, so it's not just about what these vendors are saying, but to, to pull that camaraderie together. So this is the inaugural event. Very excited about it. We're going to have the ones. It is an invite-only group, but um, that doesn't mean the end-user community is not going to hear about it because um, we're going to encourage the those influencers that were in, on the inside track to share what's going on in the space through their blog, 
us um, through their tweets. And um, and this event is going to be just prior to VMworld opening in Vegas. And and so we hope to uh, we hope this one is a raging success. We've already had a, a ton of the tickets already taken, so we we firmly believe it will be. And we're going to look at possibly doing it um, around other events during the year, whether it's Citrix Energy or or other ones. Um, so something we're really really excited about. But uh, what do you guys think about it? So yeah. you, you saw it on the other end. Yeah, I think it's a really good thing, especially with you guys kind of combining forces with um, some other vendors too as well. Um, uh, unfortunately, I won't be attending VMworld, um, but I look forward to to trying to catch up with you guys at um, another event when you have one. Um, but I really, I really like how you guys are going about it. Just an unfortunate timing for, for me and with not being able to go to VMworld this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever about you, Jaren. <laughs> I think it's a, I think it's a superb idea. And I've been to VMworld before, and I have to say, Keith Norby actually, uh, from Solidfire, actually put it really well in Barcelona two years ago. It said EUC people at VMworld are like unicorns. You know, they they're there, but nobody sees them. Uh, you know, nobody thinks they exist, but they are. They are. Present, you know, and I think having a, an event like this for for the EUC guys who um, who are there um, to to see maybe the, the the five, ten, twenty minutes of EUC time that that that'll happen at VMworld, um, but they're also going to have a lot of a lot of spare time, and I think you're seizing that opportunity um, implicitly. So yeah, gr- great idea. Yeah, great idea. I, I second that because in in Annie's Annie's heard me before is that. You know, since VMware has AirWatch now and they have that AirWatch conference, they should just take the EUC stuff and AirWatch and combine it into its own con- conference because, you know, you were hitting some of the key points there that they are like unicorns there and it's, you know, EUC is, is kind of taking a back step there to the other technologies, so... Mm-hmm. We've we've encouraged them to have a pavilion for EUC going back to 2010, our second year that we exhibited. But it's not that it fell on death ears. It's just hard to get the decision makers all to understand the... Uh, you know what, what? What we're really asking for for all the EUC vendors, we want VMware Horizon to be bigger, right? And I think that you've got other shows in the industry that equally have this thing. It's you know, you go to Citrix Energy, and it's like ninety nine percent of the people there are EUC, right? There's a few mobility mobility people there, but but the um, Amazon Amazon reinvent very similar thing from last year. Huge show, huge show. But uh, Amazon Workspaces, hard to find those vendors in that room. So it's a challenge in the industry, uh, and it's one that hopefully this will be one way that we can uh, help give it focus. A superb idea, superb idea. So yeah, Thank no. Um, to to those guys who have uh, who have gotten have been lucky enough to get an invite, definitely check it out. It sounds like it's going to be a great gig. Um, uh, okay, so in the final moments, uh, you know, you've 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 given us a great overview of what's next and we're, we're very excited to see it but i suppose looking looking at the horizon uh without that's any like a pun uh what's next for liquidware so i think um from our from our point of view you're going to see um a lot more uh cloud driven products so all the products are having a, a investment made in them to turn them into a true service offering we'll still offer the on-prem technology but also as a full service so basically think of, you know, FlexApp as a service, ProUse as a service, Stratus UX as a service, uh, no servers to install. I mean, we can already install all three products in about three hours and get up and running pretty quickly. But now we could even cut that time even, even less by having no servers to install at all. And I think you're going to see a really um, strong partnership with Amazon. Amazon Workspaces is making a pretty big splash. And then Amazon AppStream is making a pretty good splash as well against uh, ZenApp in the market. So 
or continue to support all the vendors, but we're going to be doing a lot of things with, uh, with Amazon in the marketplace and just uh, continue to turn these products into the cloud. And it's going to be interesting to see kind of, you know, UEM products have been around for so long since the late nineties and early two thousands. I think we'll be the first one to have, you know, UEM as, as a true cloud service. And by the way, I don't mean a bunch of virtual machines that I'm in the back room managing in the basement. I'm talking about true <laughs> cloud services built on real cloud services that they're, they're leveraged, you know, like through AWS, not a bunch of virtual machines just running up in the cloud because that makes a difference on scale, scalability and management and overhead in the back end that the customer should, should it be asking those questions about. Super. No, I, I like the idea of a, of a, of a, um, of a cloud-based solution for this. And you're, you're, you're right on point with the Amazon comment. Um, the, the getting out of the data center and getting into the cloud plays as well. And I mean, there's nothing really in your stack that would stop you from working across all of these things. So it's no, it's great to see. And it's great. It's a, it's, it's the right focus too. Yeah, thanks for that. Thanks for that. We're we're uh, again that's uh, a common theme for today. Right place at the right time, and, and we feel so so great and so proud to be associated with uh, Liquidware and the capacities we're in. Super, super. Okay, uh, well, um, J- J- uh, Mr. Maddox and Mr. Smith, thank you so much for for taking the time to speak with us. Um, uh, today, uh, I've found it enlightening to tell you the truth. I'm really looking forward to the August drop you mentioned already. Um, if uh, I'll, I'll put some information on the website of, as to as to when where the, the the listeners can go and get that stuff, and I'll, I'll reach out to you guys privately to to get that info. Um, so over to you, Jerry, and close in. Yeah, and um, thank you guys for for coming on. Uh, really enjoy the updates. Looking forward to you said August first, right? The release of this. That's right. So Tuesday. Yep, so Tuesday, everyone can go out there and uh, test out um, the new versions from Liquidware. Um, I look forward to testing myself. Um, to our listeners, thank you for listening. Um, to our sponsors, Liquidware and FS Logics, um, and we'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening to the Frontline Chatter podcast. <laughs>